Good morning, everybody. Everybody happy today? Welcome, welcome to church today. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited. I haven't been this excited in the whole 28 years of my life on a spring forward kind of day. Usually I feel ripped off, ripped off. But for some reason, in 28 years of the history of this church, for the first time, I'm actually excited about springing forward. In fact, typically, uh, I've done like a lot of you on the other side of this camera. I'll just watch from home. It's just easier, you know, getting up a little little late, and we'll just watch from home. Usually, I have somebody else preach, but I really sense, is anybody here today? I really sense that God is in this moment. And I, I believe by the end of this service, before you leave or before you click off that computer, that you're going to sense that there's more going on than somebody ripping off an hour of your life. I believe, I believe there's something spiritual about springing forward, marching forward. I, I believe what Paul said, for one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, I spring, I reach Come on, is anybody ready to reach into the future, reach into the forward? I believe our best days are absolutely, absolutely ahead. And I just want to stir you up, Celebration family, in the room, on the other side of this camera. I believe, (laughs) I believe with all my heart, God is up to something big right here in the month of March. Several months ago, God spoke to me about the month that we're in. Don't miss what God is doing because you don't know what God is doing. Wake up to the reality that there is more, and I believe that even today marks something in your life that you're going to spring forward. You're coming out of the past. You're coming out of the hurt. You're coming out of the pain. Come on, you're coming out of the lack. You're coming out of the frustration. Come on, we're, 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 we're moving forward. We're marching forward. My prayer is that you would catch this moment. I've, I've already gone to preaching. I want to welcome you today. So good to see so many of you in this building. As I said, it been, how, how many of you, how many of you resisted the temptations? Oh, I'll just stay at home. It's just, you know, I'm so used to that anyhow. And you, you came anyhow. Some of you, you failed in the temptation, but we're glad that you're watching. And then others of you, we haven't seen in such a long time. And we're so delighted that through technology, in the room, through this camera, that we can connect with the Celebration family. We love you. We thank God for you. So all the Celebration family, all the guests, all the friends that are in this moment, thank you, thank you, thank you. I believe if you'll focus into this moment, God's going to do something great in our hearts. I do want to say this uh, just on behalf of your pastor. Uh, We're so grateful, so thankful uh, for your faithfulness and the giving of your tithes and your offerings to be faithful with the dime of every dollar. And especially in this last year where we weren't having gatherings, to see the faithfulness of this house, I'm telling you, makes, I, I know it makes me and my wife proud to be a, the pastors of what we believe one of the greatest churches in this nation. And I believe our best days are ahead. Thank you, Celebration, for believing in the vision and the calling of this house. We love you. We love you dearly. Hallelujah. Well, do you want to hear a joke or do you want me to just get into the message? <laughs> People are yelling jokes. Well, you know, it takes longer if I bring my jokes in. 
Well, this really isn't a joke, but uh, in fact, some of you have heard this, but um, it's a letter I want to read you. It's a letter from a son to a dad that a dad found in his, his son's room. It said, Dear Dad, it's with great sorrow and regret that I'm writing this letter to you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and mom. I've been finding real passion with Stacy lately. She's so incredibly nice. But I knew that you would not approve of her because of her tattoos and piercings and skimpy tight clothes. And the fact that she's much older than I am. Dad, it's not only my passion for her, but to be honest with you, she's pregnant. Stacy says everything's going to be good and that we're going to be very happy. She actually has a trailer in the woods, and she has a stack of firewood that will last us the whole winter. Uh, we are sharing the dream together of hopefully having more children. In fact, Stacy has really opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana really doesn't hurt anybody. We'll be growing it for ourselves, trading it with other people in the commune for all the cocaine and ecstasies that, that, that we want. Now, Dad, don't, don't worry. I, I know I'm only 15, but I know that I, I know how to take care of myself. Someday, I'm sure me and Stacy will be back to visit so that you can get to know all your grandchildren. Then he signs it. P.S. Dad, none of the above is true. I'm over at Tommy's house. Just wanted to remind you that there are some things that are worse than the report card that's laying on the kitchen table. <laughs> I wish I would have had that when I got my report cards to give to my dad. What's the meaning of that? It's perspective. Some of you, if you could get a little perspective in your relationships, you wouldn't be so frustrated with your relationships. We thought we were done with this subject matter, but we have bonus material today, and I'm going to give it to you as we conclude this series on relationships. In Psalms 147, verse 3, it says, He, God, is the healer of the brokenhearted. He is the one who bandages their wounds. It's my belief and my prayer uh, the reason why I'm here today is I believe we're in a moment, those on the other side of the camera, those in this room, don't miss this. I believe we're in a moment. I believe that God wants to heal broken hearts today. I believe he wants to bandage up the wounds. Not something on the outside. Thank God God heals physical issues. But I'm here to tell you there's some inside issues today that we've been hiding, and I believe that God is going to bring healing to our lives. Today, we're going to talk about relational wounds. For most of us, it's easier to deal with and get over a physical wound. You know, you have a broken bone, you just put it in a cast, and a few weeks, you know, we're going to be okay. But a relational wound is a whole other thing. Most of us don't know how to get healing for a relational wound. I believe today healing is coming to the Celebration family. Come on, hear me today. In that living room, in that car, 
Come on, in that backyard, in that garage, in that office. Come on, in that assisted care living place. There is healing coming for the deep hurts that are on the inside of you. How many of you would agree and believe with me that God's going to do something big in our lives today? Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful, so thankful for your word. Father, you're not only a healer of our physical body, but you're a healer of our emotional wounds and relational wounds. And God, you say in your word that you sent your word and healed them. I pray as I preach what you have given me to say today that the word of God would release healing in the lives of your people. God, I truly believe that something significant is about this day. God, something significant, God, that, 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 that I believe, God, you don't want us to miss today that we are to spring forward into the destiny and the callings and the purpose that you have for us. God, give me the ability to communicate from heaven today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, this is what I know. Everybody has been wounded by somebody. Everybody has been hurt by a relationship. Some wounded by relational Strife, perhaps, or rejection, maybe a divorce, maybe a parental abandonment, broken friendship, broken and fractured families. We live in a real world. We've all experienced things like that. Maybe some have been wounded by relational abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, the manipulation, perhaps, or the control or the anger or the criticism of, of another person. Some in this room, maybe online, some have been wounded by relational disappointment, the decisions of others, the actions of others, the behavior of others. Some wounded in this room, the other side of this camera, some wounded by relational tragedy, maybe the death of a loved one, the accidental death of somebody, uh, maybe the premature death of a loved one. And the list could go on and on, but this is what I know when it comes to relationships. Everybody has experienced something that has wounded them in their heart. I want to look today at a, um, a story in the Bible that most people are not familiar with. It's only a few short verses about a person who's not very well known, although his son is very well-known. Everybody knows Abraham, the father of our faith, the man that God used to birth a whole Jewish nation. But very few people are aware of Abraham's dad by the name of Terah. We're going to call him Terah today because that's kind of how the American church knows him. So those who know who I'm talking about would refer to him as Terah, but but really, the, the, the biblical pronunciation of that would be Terah, but we're just going to go with Terah today. Now, in this Bible story, it teaches us, in this short story, it teaches us this very important aspect about relational wounds. So I want you to track with me, and we're going to let the Word of God Hear, hear what I pray today. The Bible says he sent his word and healed. As we begin to teach the word of God, I truly believe, are you hearing me? That healing is coming into your heart. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 27, it says this. This is the account of Terah's family. 
Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So we can see here right off the bat that Terah has three boys, and Haran is actually the youngest son. Verse 29 says, But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. So did you hear that? It's obvious that the death of Haran is a premature death because his daddy, Terah, is still alive. How many of you know sons are supposed to bury their fathers? Fathers are not supposed to bury their sons. So no doubt in this story, right off the bat, there's something that has gone on that is very painful for, for Terah and his, his family. I know that in my family, my brother passed away several years ago, and and my parents had to bury him, and I'll never forget not only the grief in my life, but the grief and the tears and the pain that my dad and mom had to go through as we buried him at the age of, of 40. The story goes on in verse 31 to say, Now one day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot, his son's Haran's child. So, so Haran... So Haran has a, has a son, it, it was Lot, the one that died, and, and notice what happens is Terah takes them all and moves away from Ur of the Chaldeans, and he was headed, the Bible says, that he's headed for the land, this is significant, he's headed for the land of Canaan. So all of a sudden, the story takes a turn, and Terah announces to his family that we're moving and we're leaving Ur and we're going to Canaan. We're leaving Ur of the Chaldeans and we're going to Canaan. Now, don't miss this because this is absolutely huge. It's apparent that something has happened in, in Terah's life, that God has called him out of his, his city, his community that he's living in. Catch this. Seemingly out of nowhere, Terah says, I'm moving to Canaan. What's significant about Canaan? Canaan, as we know it in the Bible, is the promised land. It's the land that God eventually called Abraham, his son, to in order to birth a whole new nation, the nation of Israel. So here in the story already, I want you to see that it's highly probable, don't miss this, without doubt that before, before God told Abraham to go to Canaan, God originally told Terah to go to Canaan. Think about that. We all know Abraham. He's the father of faith. He's the father of, 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 of a nation there in Israel. But, but hear it again, because there's no doubt that before God told Abraham to go to Canaan, God originally told his daddy to go to Canaan, and he heads off, and he goes to Canaan, and, and he's on his way, right? So, 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 so we would understand that the call of Abraham to birth the nation was originally a call upon his daddy, Terah. Now, notice here in Genesis 11, we continue to read in verse 31. He, Terah, was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Notice they settled there in a city called Haran. 
So this means somewhere between Ur of the Chaldeans and Canaan, by the way, which was about 1,000 miles. They're 600 miles into the trip. Can you imagine back there, there how many months or years it would take? They're walking. They've got their, they've got, they've got their camels. They've got their livestock. They've got their families. They've got their tents. And so they're on their way, and they come to Haran, and the Bible says that they settled there. So, so there is a city between Ur and Canaan, and it's called Haran. It's not, it's not a person, but it is a place. Now catch this, because this is a biblical picture of what is going on. Here is Terah on his way to Canaan. I believe that God's calling upon Abraham was God's calling upon Terah. I will build a great nation. I'll make your name great. I'll, I'll make you I'll, I'll, out of use. So all families of the earth shall be blessed. God's called this family to start a great nation. But before they get to Canaan, they have to pass through Haran, which means that Terah is forced to face one of his greatest relational wounds. Before he gets to Canaan, he has to deal with his pain. Why? Because Canaan, although represents a place, it reminds him of his son that has prematurely died. And so unfortunately, when Terah gets to, to, to Haran there, he didn't pass through it. Terah never went to the place that God set him out to go because he got stuck in a city called Haran. He's stuck in the pain. He's stuck in the disappointment. I believe with all my heart what the Bible's trying to show us, if you're tracking with me, is a biblical picture of Terah's wounded heart. He just can't get over the fact that his son, Haran, is dead. And the Bible says that he settles there. He stops there. He never makes it to the place that God calls him because the place of Haran reminds him of his, he, he, it reminds him of his relational wound. Now, what's interesting is the place Haran in the Hebrew language means dry place. So, so, so Terah gets stuck in Haran. Her, Terah gets stuck in a dry place. And then we read this tragic verse in Genesis 11.32, Terah lived for 205 years. Man, they lived a long time back then. Terah lived for 205 years, and he died while still in, not Canaan, but Haran. Terah died in Haran because he could not deal with the greatest relational wound of his life. I wonder how many that I'm talking to today are stuck in Haran, stuck in a dry place, st stuck in tragedy, stuck in a place that you have a relational wound. So many people, I believe, are stuck. In other words, something has gone wrong in your life, some kind of issue with other people, and it's caused you to get stuck far from the very place that God has called your life to be. Some of you here today, if you were honest, you would say, you know, that unexpected death caused me to die on the inside, and now I'm stuck in a place called grief. You know, that broken friendship, that betrayal has really hurt me, and now I'm stuck in a place called brokenness. The abandonment of my parents 
has paralyzed me. And now I'm stuck in a, in a city called rejection and loneliness. The divorce, that, that divorce, it now defines me. And I'm stuck in a, in a city called divorce. I'm going to keep going. I'm going I'm to find where you're at in just a moment. That abuse by, by, by a supposed loved one has destroyed me. I'm stuck in a city called abuse. All those social media bullies have, have messed me up, and now I'm stuck in a city called worthlessness. The threats and the accusations of others has made me fearful, and now I'm stuck in a place called, it's not Haran for me, it's just a place called fear. That, that's, that's where so many people are stuck in the world we live in today with this COVID, the virus, right? We're stuck in a place called fear, and the church is stuck. We, we, sing, we sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but we're afraid to go anywhere. Well, we can't go to church. I mean, I go to Costco, right? I can go to work. But if I go to church, I'm going to get the virus, right? We'll sing about it. Uh-oh, pastor's gone to preaching now. We're stuck. We're, we're not where God has called us to be. We're not in the promised land. And we're stuck in a place called Haran. We're, we're stuck in a place called worthlessness. We're stuck in a place called fear. The agenda and the hate of others has frustrated you, perhaps, and now you're stuck in a place called frustration. The dishonor and the disrespect of others has angered you, and now you're stuck in a place called offense. And we could go on. But I'm just trying to bring out the point. So many of us, come on, so many of us, maybe, maybe not you because I know you're like the second cousin to Jesus, but so many of us are stuck in life because of relational wounds or just the issues with people. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Wouldn't life be great without people? It was funnier than you laughed. Is what I need you to know about those relational wounds. Here's the first thing. A relational wound unhealed. God, God, here's what I'm here. Here's what I'm here to tell you. God wants to heal that hurt. God wants to heal that pain. God wants to remove you out of that dry season of your life. And here's what you need to know. If you don't get healing in that, in, in that heart, here's what's going to happen. It's going to keep you from your potential. It's going to keep you from your potential. This is exactly what happened to Terah. He never accomplished what God had for him. He never made it to the promised land. He never made it to Canaan. Why? Because he was stuck in a dry place. He was stuck in Haran. Yet God intended for him to be the father of faith, to birth a nation. In Scripture, our God is known, what, as the God of what? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But did you know he should have been known as the God of Terah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? But he's not known as the God of Terah. And most of you don't even know, you've never heard Terah before. You know Abraham, you've heard of Abraham, but you don't know of, of Terah. Why? Because Terah got stuck in life. He got stuck not by a physical wound. He got stuck by a relational wound on the inside. You see, Terah couldn't leave his Haran because of his grief, because of his pain, because of his disappointment. And now, listen to me today, Terah is known as the man who might have been. The man who might have been. The woman who might have been. I don't want to, 
live my life and at the end of my life it be said of me the man that might have been or the, the woman who might have been listen you will never get to the place that God has for you if you never deal with that hurt on the inside if you never deal with the hurt the pain or, or the problem on the inside why because I'm here to tell you if that doesn't get healed you're crazy no 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 you didn't hear me you act crazy can't get no help in here that's okay it gets better Come on, out there, out there on the other side of the carry, it gets better. You got to know if you don't get healing on the inside, you act crazy. Really, preacher? I can prove it in the Bible. Notice Psalms, what the psalmist says in Psalm 73, verse 21 through 22. It says, When my heart was grieved, messed up, and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. One translation says, Crazy. See, you don't have sense when you're hurt on the inside. You're, you're just not the sharpest knife in the drawer when you're... Are, are you here? Nobody helping me preach and I got a room full of people? Come on, is anybody happy? Come on, is anybody excited about springing forward? Come on, we're leaving some things. <laughs> people make bad decisions whenever they've been wounded, whenever they've been hurt. Man, I, I would say, and I've been telling people this whole time in this COVID situation, don't, don't, please don't make any major decisions if people are moving here and doing this and leaving that. And really, really, really you need to slow down. Listen, you're, you're just not as sharp as you could be when, when there's things going on on the inside of your life. And you can't run away from that problem because once you get there, it's still with you. If you don't hear anything else that I say, please hear this. When your marriage is being attacked, when your friendship is being attacked, when your relationships are being attacked, it's really not about the other person. It's about the enemy that's trying to destroy your potential. He doesn't want you to get to your promised land. Every attack of the devil is an attempt to derail your purpose. The enemy loves to cause relational conflict within your life. Why? To stop God's potential in your life. He wants you to get stuck for the rest of your life in a dry, dry place. A relational wound unhealed. Here's the second thing. It poisons other relationships. It poisons your relationships. You see, we see this with Terah in Genesis chapter 12. If you was to read on, most of you know it. In Genesis chapter 12, God, Abraham had to leave his own dad. God, God says, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to get away from family. You see, Terah's family got so fragmented because he couldn't get over his issue. So, so God had to pull Abraham even away from his own family to get Abraham to his promised land. Here's what you need to know is when you're messed up, it messes up other people. You see, an unhealed relational wound in your life will mess up the good relationships in your lives. It will have a negative impact on all your good relationships. We, we know that to be true, right? 
You know that. It's, we've all done this. We take the pain of a bad relationship, and we end up hurting and taking it out on our good relationships. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty as charged on this one. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've gone home from a difficult day and, and just relationship issues and people are just mean and people just are wacky and I take all that pain and you know what I do is I take it out on my wife. Well, I know you've never done anything like that. Sorry, sir. Ma'am, I, I know you've never done anything like Isn't it amazing how we'll take the pain of that and we want to give it to some of the closest relationships that we have in our life, and we end up hurting them, and it's all the result of the knucklehead that was in your life earlier that day. Hmm. In Hebrews 12, 15, it says, A bitter spirit is, is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many, many others. Hurt people have a tendency to hurt people. Here, here's the third thing that it'll do if you don't get healing in your heart. Come on, we're getting it today. It hinders your relationship with God. Uh, this is huge. A lot of people don't want to connect the dots here, but it, it, the, the fact is very true. The Bible is very clear that if things are not right between you and people, then things will not be right between you and God. It, it's important to understand that our relationships with God, with, 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 with God is inseparable from our relationships with other people. In other words, you can't go through life and say, me and God are good, and yet hate on people. It just doesn't work. Why? Because loving God, according to the Bible, is loving people. You can't separate them. They go together. 1 John 4, 21 says the, 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 the command we have from Christ is blunt. It's very clear. Love God includes loving people. You've got to love both. Wow, it's, 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 it's tough, isn't it? I want to go on, but it's so quiet, I think I may have better stop. Well, why did it get so quiet in here online? You're, you're kind of quiet. Listen, I just got to remind you again, because some of you are wondering, there's a disconnect with you and God, and you can't, you can't figure out why God is so far away. Could it be because of your, your interaction with, with people? I, I know I've said this a lot, but I don't know if people really, really get this in 1 Corinthians when Paul is dealing with the dysfunction of a church. He says, he says, for this reason, many of you are sick. For this reason, many of you are weak. And for this reason, many of you are dying prematurely. Right? Why, Paul? Because you are mistreating one another. That's what he says. You go read it, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Nobody wants to hear that verse. That verse doesn't make you want to shout. Nobody's got that on the refrigerator. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll hear it, make the adjustments, then the Bible says I don't have to be weak. I don't have to die prematurely. Come on. And I don't have to be sick and afraid of a stinking virus. Hello. And that verse was not for the world. That verse was for the church. So my, my interactions with people is huge when it comes to the things of God. In other words, how I treat you is going to determine how me and God are doing. In other words, I can't mistreat you and think me and God are tight. It doesn't work like that. To love God is to love people, and I'm preaching better than you're shouting today. Can I have a good amen? Come on the line. If somebody will help me, we'll stop. We'll, we'll, we'll quick, quick, we'll, we'll get done. 
Matthew 6 says, if you forgive the failures of others, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive you. I wonder where that puts you. If you're not going to forgive them, God says, I ain't going to forgive you. Well, hell's hot. Well, well, maybe, 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 maybe my interaction with, maybe it does matter. I mean, I mean, my wife reminds me of this one all the time. Put it on the board, 1 Peter 3, 7, in the same way. Husbands, he didn't say wives, by the way. Apparently, they're okay in this area. Husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with honor. Ooh, I got some women excited in this building today. So, so let's slow down. Let's make sure the husbands get it here. So wives, just hold, hold yourself, contain yourself here. It says, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. That's always bugged me. Because how in the world, almost cussed again. <laughs> Pray for your pastor. <laughs> how in the world can you live with understanding, who can understand a woman? Come on, can I get some help in here? Who can understand? So what I tried to do early on in our marriage is I didn't try to understand her, I tried to change her. But that's not the Bible. The Bible doesn't say change your wife. The Bible says understand your wife. So my wife, last night, she's doing the thing that irritates me every night, especially on Saturday night. When I got to get to bed early and I got to get up early and she comes in and she goes to the bathroom and we, we did a remodel on our house. We got a door that, 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 that's, that's, a, that's, that's glass and it's kind of frosted so you can't quite see through. And she never wanted the frosted glass. She wanted the solid door so that when she went into the restroom or the bathroom or whatever she does in there, that she could do what she does and it wouldn't bother me. But I didn't want, I didn't want the solid door. I wanted a see-through door. I wanted to look at my wife that. Well, she goes in last night, and I'm not, I'm not feeling it, so I could care less about seeing through. I'm trying to sleep, right? And she's got all the lights on. I said, baby, just would you please just turn off some of the lights? Turn on the bathroom light. It'll be enough light to, to shine in where you're wanting to take a bath and all. And, 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 and she, no, no, she's going to leave them all on. She's just going to leave them. So I go in there. I'm not trying to understand her. I'm trying to change her. I said, look, here's the light switch. Turn this one off. Turn this one off. Turn, turn, and then leave this one on. She said, well, it's got a fan, and that one's got a noisy fan, and we don't want all that noise. I can't take a bath and enjoy my life. And I, I'm trying to change her, and then I realize I... I just got to understand her. And so I, I went to bed and I said, uh, okay, God, she won again. But me and you are good, right, Lord? Right? Me and you are good. Like, I'll be able to preach tomorrow, Lord. I'll be able to go to church and you'll be able to use me, God. Because he goes on to say, if you don't live with them in understanding, it's going to hinder your prayers. Could it be that your prayers are being hindered because you're not treating the very one that God gave you? Wow. One wife is still clapping here in the building. <laughs> so let's wrap this thing up. How do I get healing for my relational wounds? don't have time to really get into all these, but let me just give it because 
because it's more than a prayer. And at the end of the service, in just a moment, we're going to pray. And I believe I've heard from heaven, and I believe God is going to get us out of a dry place. God's going to get us out of a place of pain and hurt and frustration. I, you know, I, this, this message, you think I'm talking to you, and you think, man, I know all your business, and you think, man, he's just put this together just to offend me. No, no, this, this is for me today. I've never been so tied up you know, in, in, in any other year than this last year, so on edge, so ready to explode because, because really the frustration with people. Everybody's divided over everything. Nobody can get along. And it's like, it's like, it's like it's my fault for everything and I didn't do nothing. Hello. I didn't do it. I'm going to get a shirt saying, I did not do it. Somebody wants to get that shirt too, huh? I didn't do it. Honestly, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Hmm. But we're going to have to do something. God's going to heal us. Here's what you're going to need to do. You need to reveal the hurt. Reveal the hurt. In other words, don't hide it. You know, we're so good at hiding it, huh? We're so good at... I mean, some of you, that was just therapy for me to talk about all my problems, right? I don't like talking about my problems, but, but it really helps some of you to know that me and Sheree aren't perfect. That I don't just chase around the house. That we actually argue sometimes. So some of you, that helped just to know that your pastor has been on edge. That he's been kind of tied up and... and and, and maybe hasn't navigated in this season. It's, it's, it, let me tell you, it's the toughest season in life to be a leader in our nation. Haven't done it all right. But God says if you're going to get healing, you're going to have to be open and honest to reveal the hurt. Hear me today, as long as you tuck it away and hide it and say nobody can know it, there's no help for you. I'm here to tell somebody your life would be so much better if you would let God know it and even your close relationships know what you're dealing with. The psalmist said it this way, Psalms 32, verse 3, when I kept things to myself, I felt weak and deep inside. I moaned all day long. In other words, the psalmist is saying, as long as I tucked it away and kept it to myself, it just got worse. In Psalm 39, 2, it says, So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good, but my anguish increased. In other words, it just gets worse. If, if I don't reveal it, if I'm not open about it, if I don't put it on the table and say, God, I need help, and, and begin to tr talk to those trusted relationships, the, the more you hide it, the more you get frustrated. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Psalm 34, 17 says, The Lord's heart. The Lord's, excuse me, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues, that word rescues means heals. He heals them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. But see, you've got to call. You've got to be open about it. You've got to, God, I'm messed up. God, I'm hurting. on the. God, I'm wounded. It's not a broken bone. It's a broken heart. God, I need your help. When's the last time you just closed the door and went to your knees and said, God, I need your help? Here's what you need to understand. God says, I'm, I'm near to the brokenhearted. You, you don't get it. 
He's never been more close to your brokenness than he is right now. He's close by, and he's just waiting for you to say, oh, God, I need your, your help. When you open up and reveal your hurt to God, then you're on your way to a heart that can be healed. The second thing, release the people involved. Whew. So much we could say about this, right? You've heard it a thousand times. You know what to do. You see, if you want healing in your heart, then you're going to have to be willing to forgive people. And to be honest, most of us, we don't want to do that. We're just going to be honest. Because I want them to hurt just as bad as they made me hurt. But there's no way out of a wounded heart as long as you refuse to forgive. Listen, maybe they don't deserve to be forgiven, but if you want to spring forward, if you want to move forward, then you've got to forgive them. Let, 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 let God deal with them. Come on, to give them over to God. In, in other words, what does it mean to release them? It means that you're not going to try to get even with them. I, I, I'm, well, let me just read the verse, Romans 12. Don't hit back. Don't insist on getting even. That's not, not for you to do. God says, I'll do the judging. I'll take care of it. Christians, believers, celebration family, we don't try to take revenge. We, we forgive. Colossians 3.13 says, don't be angry with each other, but forgive each other. If you feel someone has wronged you, cut them at the knees. Right? No. Forgive them. Forgive others. Why? Because the Lord forgave you. Hey, can I remind you, you haven't been perfect either. You've hurt somebody too. You've caused a relational wound yourself. And the same grace and mercy that God has given you, he just wants you to release it to others. Listen, when it comes to people, you may never trust them again, but you must forgive them. God's not saying you forgive maybe the act, but you have to forgive the, the person. You're not saying what they did was right, but he does demand you to forgive the person. In other words, when I forgive, I'm, I'm releasing the right to get even with them again. Here's the third one. I, I close with this. This is it. Um, if you're going to get healing in your heart, you need to refocus on God's plan for your life. Now stay with me. God could never get Tara to do what God planned for him to do. All we know about Tara is like seven verses in the Bible. That's it. That's all you read about, like seven verses. Abraham's is seven verses. There are tons of verses throughout the Bible with Abraham, but all we know about Abraham's dad, all we know about Tara is that he started, he stopped, and he died. 
That's all we know. Now, this is what I know. God's plan will go on with you or without you. <laughs> That's good news. That, I remind myself all the time. So I say, Randy, you need to get, 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 get it in gear. Let's get going. Because God's plan will go on with you or without you. And here's what I want you to know. In, in my Bible, in my Bible, Genesis chapter 11 ends. And then you have to turn, you have to turn the page in order to get to Genesis chapter 12. So, so, with, so with one turn of the page, a new chapter begins. And God begins to say this to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And can I remind you that what God is saying to Abraham, he's actually saying it to you today. Because the Bible says in Galatians 3.29 that if you be Christ in your Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise, and this is the promise that he, he says to Abraham with one turn of the page. On one side, we got Terah. We turn the page and we got a new chapter and we have Abraham. And this is what God says to Abraham. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out. Get out of that dry place. Get out of that despair. Get out of that anger. Get out of that hurt. Get out of that pain. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. What am I going to do with you, Abraham? I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And Abraham, and in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. It's the same thing he said to Terah. It's the same thing he said to Abraham's father. But with one turn of the page, it's a brand new chapter. And the Bible says in verse 4, so Abraham left the dry place. He left Haran. Abraham responds, listen, you're going to have to refocus. If you want healing in your heart, you're going to have to refocus yourself on God's plan for your life. Listen, Abraham turned the page, and a brand new chapter began in Abraham's life. You didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. I'm talking, I'm talking to somebody today. God is saying to you, it's time to turn the page because a new chapter is beginning in your life. I declare to you, you're leaving your dry place. I declare to you, you're leaving your pain. You're leaving your hurt. Come on, we're leaving it all behind. We're going to refocus ourselves on the promised land. We're going to refocus ourselves on what God has for us to do. Church, we don't have to get stuck in even this COVID-19 mentality that the world and the enemy wants to put over on us, that this is as good as it's ever going to get. The devil is a liar. I'm here to tell you, your best days are ahead for your marriage, your home, your family. Come on, let's be people of faith like Abraham. Let's possess our promised land. Come on, stand to your feet.
Somebody ought to shout right now. Somebody ought to praise God right now. I want you to hear it online. I know I've gone a little long, but I, this is bonus material. We didn't intend to give this, and I wasn't, I wasn't even slated to preach today. I wasn't gonna, I was gonna be chasing my wife somewhere. This isn't just an ordinary Sunday is what I'm trying to say. Spring forward, turn the page. It's a new chapter. Come on, God's got a promised land for you. God's, God's got a promise. How good could this marriage be? Come on, how good could our family be? How good could our business be? How good could our finances be? It only gets better. Please, nobody moving. Don't, don't interrupt a moment like this. Nobody moving, please. Right at home, right where you're at. I, I don't know what you're dealing with, but could, could you be vulnerable in this moment? just to reveal it instead of tuck it away and hide it? Could, could you just maybe symbolically right in front of you just open your hands and put your hurt, put your irritation, put your frustration. Can you just put it, put it in your hand? Just close your eyes. Just put it in your hands. Just put it, put it, put it right there. Come, come on, I don't know what it is. Hearted. Put it in the hand. Heal the wounded soul. Father of all heaven, we give you full control. Come on. Come have your way within us, Lord. Come set our spirits free. Father, send revival. Start the work in me. Come on, we're turning the page. Lord, I hunger, thirst. Come on, it's going to be a new chapter. For your righteousness. God, we put our pain. Jesus, come and fill me once again. God, I put that betrayal in your Lord, I hunger. I put that injustice. I put that abuse. For your righteousness. I put that rejection. Fill me with your oil and wine. We're going to sing that in just a moment once again. But come on, out in front of you, put your hands. Come on, at home, in your living room. Come on, out there in that backyard, in that office. Can you take it out of your heart and just symbolically just put it in your hand? Can, can you be open and honest enough with God just to be real and say, God, I know you already know. I know you already know what my issue is, but I put it in my hands today as it's in your hand. Father, I pray for every person in this building, all those watching me on the other side of this camera. You said you heal. They're brokenhearted. God, I pray that you would come and do what only you could do that you would get it on the inside of that tucked away area. God, that area that we don't let anybody else in. And would you bring healing to your people? Would you bring freedom to your people? Would you bring deliverance to your people? God, that today as we leave this place, as we click offline, that truly, Lord, we're turning the page 
and we're beginning a brand new chapter in our lives. God, I ask you now to heal the brokenhearted. Heal them of the pain. Heal them, God, of the injustice. Heal them of the abuse. God, heal them of the, the anger, the frustration, the disappointment, the rejection. God, I pray the power of God would change our lives forever and ever. Now lift your hands to heaven. Let's sing it, Tom. Lord, I hunger, thirst for your Come on, worship Him. Thank God for your healing. Come on, somebody thank Him. Somebody online thank Him. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Lord, I hunger, thirst. Wow. Come on, don't stop, church. I feel like God is doing online. Don't don't click off. Hear it again. You bind the broken heart. Come on, let God do it today. You heal Woo! the wounded soul. Father of you. all heaven. He's close to the broken heart. We give you full control. Come have your You're way walking out of this place within free us, Lord. You're walking Come out of this place set our today. spirits free. Come on, you're clicking Father, online today. Heal and deliver. Start the work in me. Sing it out. Oh, sing Lord, it. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Jesus, come and fill me once again. Look at me. Those online, look at me today. I declare today that you're free. He whose the Son sets free is free in the. I declare today that you are springing forward. I declare today that the page is turning. I declare today that a new chapter in your life has begun in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 